what's going on? Um, I'm waiting on a sneeze. That's what's going on. What's going on with you? I uh, am finally back home from traveling, and my house is disgusting because I'm too tired to stop Frankie from destroying shit. So that's where I'm at. I mean, it's a hard life owning a dog. You ever, like, look around at your house and be like, oh, shit, I'm depressed. I just looked at my kitchen table, and there's a pile of mail, like, this thick that I've been ignoring. Mm. For the listeners, that's, like, six or seven inches. And usually I'm pretty diligent about opening mail, so we're we're in a state over here for sure. Oh, um, I, oh I was going to say I hate mail, but, yeah, we're the spooky suckiest yeah, this I was cast. just gonna just gonna clarify that. Male minor talk. detail. And not talking about bio males, men, talking about the USPS. Support the USPS. <laughs> the M A I L. Uh, I saw this TikTok that was like, oh, it's like so dirty of UPS to name themselves that when there's already USPS. Like <laughs> kinda shady, actually. <laughs> It's true. What does UPS stand for? United Parcel Service or something. What? The boys and Unbridled pieces of shit. That's <laughs> <it>. <laughs> Bottom. I'm hilarious. You're, you, you got jokes. So we're my seltzer. an anti-racist, anti-capitalist, intersexual feminist podcast about horror movies. And this one, actually, Rebecca... Um, chose the whole lineup for the next three and i i had no notes i i couldn't do anything but comply so today we're talking about the original 1979 amityville horror a fraudulent trauma porn that has like literally stained the true crime (laughs) and like (laughs) um yeah like misogynist landscape to this day it's so fucking problematic but it's fun it's uh, yeah, it's everlasting. It's the ramifications we're feeling from, like, this really toxic narrative. Um, yeah, like, literally when a white man commits a mass murder or act of terrorism and we're like, must be a good reason. <laughs> the devil. Yeah, it was yeah. demons. He didn't uh, do it on his own. Uh, side note, you get to see, like, half of Margot Kidder's boobs. And I don't think that's a sock. In James Brolin's underwear. I was like, I think that's a stick. That feels, I mean, yeah, I don't, uh, yeah, it was fine. It was great. I was distracted by the flies, to be honest. I was like, I watched a lot of this movie, like, hands over my eyes. Like, is there a fly coming? I forgot it was a a fly-heavy narrative. And apparently they put honey on the actor's head the priest actor, which is like when you think about experiencing that as an actor, it's like nastier than what actually happens, quote unquote. Uh it's so yeah, I read and watched this movie when I was probably like twelve or thirteen. Read this movie. I read the book, the actual book, and then I watched this movie when I was like twelve. I read or 13. all movies because I always have this well, yeah. on. I have to, I can't focus otherwise, which doesn't make sense to a lot of people, but I need the subtitles. It's like. I think you might be. ADHD. ADHD. I don't know. Um, Who knows? I also. Isn't everyone now? Yeah. I mean, I like, (laughs) I don't know. I also feel like I can't. um, It's like suddenly my hearing doesn't work. Like I forget words and I like, I'm like, what are they saying? Yeah. And that it also helps me like 
Yeah, because otherwise I'm like, I don't know what that guy's name is. Even with the subtitles, I'm like, I don't know who that fucking guy I is. I also like uh, to see when there's, like, un- otherworldly, like, haunting noises, what the subtitles do. Um, like, ooh, whoosh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you're reading today because I, I wrote down Rebecca Reads because my notes are scattered. And a couple of times I got distracted and I just didn't rewind. I'm really sorry. Uh, I also got distracted sometimes I rewound. Who knows? Um, well, I guess we'll see. It'll be a good time. Together, mm-hmm. There's our, like our brains will make one brain. Half a brain. Maybe, if we're lucky. Seriously. <laughs> um, all right, let's get into it. So, we're talking about Amityville Horror, the original. She came out in 1979, which is, like, pretty recent. Like, they did this really quickly after the murders and after the book was published. Quickly after the murders. The book also came out quickly and was written by Jay Anson, uh, who previously had only written nonfiction. So somebody was playing dirty here, and it was the Lutzes and Jay Anson together. And, yeah, the publisher. And also the prosecutor, I think. (laughs) Or the, excuse me, the defender. Ronnie DeFeo's defender. Uh, yeah, it's like, how can you, how do you have any time to reflect? Like, I don't know. Who are you? Gail Weathers? Like, what? You are not Gail Weathers, okay? Although she would have also mishandled this pretty badly. (laughs) But somehow still stumbled on the truth, which they did not. So, um, all right. So we open on the infamous house outline um, in red light. Lightning strikes and it's raining and we hear gunshots and see uh, someone firing um, at people lying in beds. And then we pan over two bloody bodies in bed. Cops and ambulances surround the house and the text reads. Side note. Why are the EMTs or coroners wearing, like, duct tape cowboy hats? Did you catch that? I was like, is it because it's raining? I was confused as well. Are those their rain hats? Yeah. (laughs) It was, like, indeterminate material. It was a very confusing aesthetic. They don't get the funding that the cops get, so uh, they have to duct tape their own cowboy hats to defend against the rain. If only that weren't true. Apparently, these are, like, actual EMTs and... um, cops from the town which is tom's river new jersey um i did i did wikipedia they they did a lot of filming in new jersey in the 70s and 80s because friday the 13th is also was also filmed in jersey and a couple other like pretty big horror movies i think it's got the ambiance it definitely has something the, the swampiness. Um, I think it's cliche to hate on New Jersey. I'm you go from New, New Jersey. Jersey. That's my where, mom's yeah, from my, New Jersey. My mom too. Oh my god. Uh, Hillside. Anyway. Uh, what uh, Belvedere. Near the I don't know where Delaware towns are in New gap. Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, November 13th, 1974, Amityville, Long Island. A mother, father, and four of their children murdered, no apparent motive. This is a real thing that happened, just to confirm. We'll we'll get into it later. Everything else that happened in this movie is not real. They were like, we don't like this house anymore. Uh, There's a draft. And so they wrote a book about it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm cold. (laughs) I'm cold, so let's call it haunted. Um, and not they worry carried- about the ramifications that will be felt from our untruths for generations. At least they didn't like let him out of 
jail, I guess. I don't he know. just died in March. Did you know that? Yeah, March 12th, like pre-COVID, so. No, this year, oh, no, 2021. Po- oh, 2021. Mm-hmm. So maybe it was COVID, probably. It's prison system. Yeah, that's my guess, because they won't disclose it. God, the government. Um... They carry bodies away as the detectives discuss the time of death as around 3 or 3.15. Oh, this detective, like, literally the most ineffective person in the world. Uh, I don't know his name, so I just call him Sergeant Cigar, um, which I think is probably better than the name in the script. I believe it's an Italian name. Va bene. But I don't know what it is. And he's just like, no, so not a big part of this movie. So you could cut him right out and nothing changes. In fact, he does nothing to the plot. Why didn't you, (laughs) Rosenberg? Forget about it. Uh, One year later, a young couple, George and Kathy Lutz, played by the beautiful Margot Kidder and the also beautiful James Brolin. Uh, They're too hot. It's pretty annoying. Like, stupid hot. Like, they wouldn't have those stupid fucking kids. They'd be, like, on a yacht in Capri. Like, please. Um, They're meeting with the realtor and discussing and looking around the property. The realtor is played by Elsa Raven, who I remember as the clock tower lady from Back to the Future. And according to IMDb, save the watchtower. I really um, uh, enjoyed her performance of like, my papers are moving. <laughs> <laughs> I have to leave. Like, it was, yeah, she I mean, did a great she job. Did, like, actually, she, in all seriousness, she did a good job at portraying like subtle discomfort, you know. She also, like, according to IMDb, was in Titanic, but I don't remember her. Uh, or who she played, but Frankly, she was there. there was so. a lot going on, so I'm uh, not gonna, I'm not gonna, you know, chide us for not being able to track her to Titanic, 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 as you tectonic plates, as you remember. Uh, she shows them the house, and they seem unsure if they can afford it. Uh, as they start opening the bedrooms, we are flashback to the gunshots and the killer on the stormy night. Mrs. Townsend, the realtor, leaves them alone to wander, and they wonder wander around and they wonder if 80,000 is too much to afford. Like, can you imagine that giant, gigantic house for $80,000? $80,000. And apparently the people that purchased it after it was only 55,000, which is I about 235,000 in 2021 money. I want to cry. Uh, I mean, every time... It would be $2 million easy. Like, what? Every time I pay rent, like, a little bit more of my like personhood is robbed of me i'm just becoming a shell okay but we don't need uh, to bring it down i'm but not that's in a good fine. place that's neither um, here nor here capitalism not, is stupid it's not, not a part of this i mean until later because <laughs> we'll i get have theories <laughs> um george says he can move his business onto the property and that'll help with the cost um kathy briefly wonders about the murders and james remarks that houses don't have memories bump bump bum, bum. if he's moving his business onto the property where the fuck is jeff like what is i'm not even sure what their business it's like i think they're ambiguous business but like what are you contracting like i don't I can't mean, Jeff call people? Jeff can't sign the paperwork? I don't know. I feel like it is problematic that Jeff, co-owner of the business, isn't an authorized signer on their checkbook and other, like, expenses. What does the van say? It's Does it say Lutz's? I think it says George Lutz, general contractor. And then it has mm. a fun 555 number on it. It's fun. 
Love the five five fives. Um, and then, as mentioned, Miss Townsend feels like a spooky vibe while she's alone in the kitchen and her papers ruffle. So she dips out. Um, a month Which later, the family run, run, madam. Yeah. She's washed her hands of it. She's done her. She's gotten her commission. She's out. I mean, for um, all she knows, it's not a haunting. It's just like a weird, gross building. And they were in the weird, gross building, too. Yeah. She's it's like, there's a like, draft. I have to it, pee, so I'm going to go. <laughs> it's not like some of the places where, like, they literally just don't disclose. I think, like, in California, they don't have to in some other states, which is wild. I'm not sure that I would care or want to I wouldn't know. care. Like, if somebody wanted, if somebody was murdered, like, I wouldn't want to know. Just, like, give me the property. I don't need to know I mean, people die in, like, every house, you know? Right. Yeah. People just be dying. I mean, that's, we're all just tethered to this mortal coil. Who knows? <laughs> I love that meme you posted that was like, my parents had sex and now I have to pay taxes. <laughs> <laughs> right? I didn't ask for this. Like, I literally never asked to be here. I am fine with just like floating in the universe in a state mm-hmm. of liminal non-existence. Like, we're doing great over here. <laughs> Yeah, this this has nothing to do with the Amityville horror, but that's just where we're coming from today. I mean, it sort of does, right? I don't I mean, know. They didn't ask for the kids didn't ask to be placed in this situation, and like I know when you think or, like first of all, it's so absolutely insane to. I mean, we're getting ahead of ourselves, but to tout this as a true story because George, you're just admitting that you're like. These children's abuser, basically. <laughs> like, like, then you yeah, came back into their lives, them. continue living with them as like their father figure, and then just pretend that nothing happened. Like, what the hell? Uh, I don't like the way that they. I'm not sure if they're like trying to portray him sympathetically, but they did not do a good job because the whole time I'm like, he's clearly unhinged. Kathy, get the kids and run. Like, what are you doing? Well, I, think- I don't. In my opinion, it's, like, kind of, like, a justification for these, like, for covert abuse, like, covert spousal abuse, basically. So, I mean, like, as if women already didn't report enough, like, this situation where it's like, well, you know, he never hit anyone, so it's, like, totally fine. Like, they'll get over it, and now the devil's gone, and they'll piece their family back together is, like wildly irresponsible he's like you you he only slapped you once you know he now he's found jesus so you're fine everybody's fine Yeah, exactly you guys have father delaney in a literal catatonic state because of your house and your like weird like unhinged behavior but everything is good we're all good um father delaney is the only priest i'll ever trust honestly i know it's because he's a psychotherapist right his secular uh, education. He gives the greatest performance in this movie. Um, so a month later, the family of George, Kathy, and their kids, Amy. Oh, God. They're Matt the and Greg. Matt and Greg. There we go. Um, are all moving in when priest, Father Delaney, waltzes in uh, looking for them so he can bless the house. He goes upstairs and hears children giggling in a room. When he enters, he sees the families all outside. 
The door shuts on him and flies start swarming the window that won't open. Uh, I was watching most of this with my eyes closed, so um, forgive me for getting this part wrong. He just starts sweating and flies start sweating like, and it's coughing. It's very visceral, yeah. Uh, and he feels six <laughs> outside the family is playing and they get on a boat and romp around. The door opens and finally Father Delaney is able to d- escape. Uh, later that night, he tries to call the house, but the line won't go through. And then the receiver burns his hand. Uh, George is being weird and constantly feels cold. He goes down to the basement to check the insulation. Matt follows him down there and gets shocked by the bulb and then really falls funny. down the stairs. And like, a, uh, he like falls for a solid Ooh. 30 seconds. Yeah. Because he like bad, keeps falling down just a couple steps I mean, at a time. it definitely looks like a doll, first of all. And like the way the shock like blew him back. It was really, really funny. I'm sorry. Sorry, Matt. He's fine now. Probably not. He's traumatized. Um, and then George takes him off to bed. Kathy is being all sexy in her Why like, is open she shirt. One leg warmer. I thought she was like getting ready to practice ballet. I was confused. Like, what was going on? I thought it was like a seduction, like a sexy ballet thing. But I was like, is one leg warmer like a trend, or is that like a ballet thing? Or maybe it's a compression sock. Did they have those in the 70s? I don't know. Yeah, I think compression socks have are, like, you know, pretty standard since, like, the Victorian era. So she's got, like, an old ballet in- injury, uh, and that's why she only has to wear okay. one compression go with that. Yeah. leg warmer. Um, they're fooling around on the floor when Amy comes in upset, saying she wants to go home. Kathy takes her back to bed, and when she closes the door, the chair in the corner starts rocking on its own. Boring. Like, oldest ghost trick in the book. (laughs) Whatever. Uh, Can also be done by a draft. Uh, At 3.15 exactly, George wakes up and closes the window that opened on its own in Amy's room because we pointedly saw that Kathy closed it. And locked it. And locked it. He takes Harry the dog out for a stroll around the property. When he sits in the garden house to smoke a cig, he gets scared by a black cat who's just like, get out! That cat's pretty cute. Listen to your animals. Harry was telling them the whole time. He, Harry was very unsettled the moment they arrived. Um, on the fourth day, George is angrily chopping wood when Kathy comes home with groceries. She comes up behind him playfully and asks him for help, but he's testy. Um, she tells him that, that her aunt Helena, who's a nun, will be there at two for tea, and he's mad for some reason about this. I love that she's a nun. She's hilarious. Her whole vibe is great. It's like a weird choice because we already have like the priest thing happening. But I, I guess to be like, it's well, not just Father Delaney. It's, it's all. It's like any Catholic. We know that Kathy is like sort of a lapsed, non-practicing Catholic. Um, she's very close to Father Delaney, too. So Yeah, I guess they're friends i mean there's not a lot of context for kathy's history with catholicism but there is a lot of just like weird church politics that you know were kind of interesting yeah they were kind of interesting i also feel like the less i see of father ryan the better um oh my god what an asshole and nuncio come on nuncio you should have said don't tell someone to get a haircut you get a haircut yeah father bolden or Baden or whatever he's just living you know Uh, he's not the best either uh but still it's not because of his haircut though 
<laughs> there's other reasons, like his personality. Yeah, the personality. Uh, yeah. Amy tells Kathy about her imaginary friend Jody, um, and they go. They run upstairs to play. Kathy calls uh, Father Lutz, but Father Bolin answers, saying Bolin. that Bolin. Yep. That's oh, it. <laughs> I called him Father Lutz. Father Delaney uh, answers, saying, and he's sick. Kathy tells him they were waiting on him to bless the house yesterday, but he never came. Bolin insists that he left, uh, but Kathy says he never arrived. As Aunt Elena arrives, the toilets are filling with black inky liquid. Um, it's I mean, it's literally like, ink. It's, it's ink, yeah. You it's can like, tell, yeah. But in the movie, it's like a substance. A s- um, some substance, yeah. And then when Aunt Helena first arrives, she's jovial and she's got some flowers, but then she gets a weird vibe and starts to feel ill. Um, when Kathy sees her, she drops the vase and then she says she has to leave right away, even though Kathy is pleading for her to stay. She speeds Which, off. And chill then, out, Kathy. She doesn't look well. Just let her go. Just be like, nice. okay, I'll, I'll come by some other time. Like, yeah, just like l- I can come to you. Don't freak out. Why didn't Kathy ever go to anyone else? Go to Father Delaney, you know? like They're treating it like they can't go just because they got a new house. Like, they can't go anywhere else. I don't know. Kind of silly, uh, truthfully. Pretty silly. They weren't there. They were there for 28 days. Like, that's not enough time. Um... When she drives away, she stops suddenly to puke, just like Father Delaney did. Oh, my God. I love the puking scenes. They're really funny. Because she's clearly not puking. It's like the car door's open. She's like, oh. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder Uh, when, like, you started to be allowed to show people throwing up on camera. Because I remember, like, you would never see it. And sometimes on reality shows, they would, like, blur it out when people threw up, you know? Right. Like the early reality shows. And now it's like... That's, like, half of the shows are, like, just people puking. Um, On the fifth night, Kathy is painting a Virgin Mary figure, which is, like... And like a se- like, so this pointed. Is, I love Kathy, okay, because she is, like, sexy baby, badass, like, caring mom, like, family matriarch. She's the one that's, like, this is fucked up, we need to leave. Uh, right. You know, like, she is, like, sexy and not defined by her religion. Like, she's still super sexual. I think Kathy's actually a pretty awesome character. Uh, and she's played by Margot Kidder. Kidder yeah, maybe I just love like, Margot perfect. Kidder. I think that's what how I feel. Because um, I feel like Kathy could have done more to, like, help her family. But um, And you don't have to, like, listen to your husband. But also remember she's an abuse victim. Like, in my opinion, like, she is being gaslit and abused by her spouse who has, like, previously never shown any signs of acting this way and who she's been able to, like, trust, you know? Oh, my God. Tables turned. I'm drinking water today. I don't even have a seltzer. (gasps) Wow. I'm drinking peach pear liqueur. I love peach pear. It's my favorite, but I can't find it anywhere anymore. There was like a whole shelf full at my sprouts. So, well, congrats. Gotta come here for the peach pear because nobody else drinks soda water. Like, honestly, Caesar and I are like buying up all of the, the stores. They're stocking supply. it just for you. I love that you just yeah. said soda water, too. Well, that's what I, soda water. Soda water. That's what I call it. Um, it does say sparkling water on the can, but. Don't tell me what to call you. Okay, so... You do you, sister. <laughs> Soda water. Um, 
while she's painting the Mary figurine, George is zoning out in front of the fire that he is obsessed with. Uh, like, chill out, George. Chill. He's short with her, and then later on, he can't have sex. Uh, but Kathy's like, that's okay. I still love you. I'm going to smoke a cigarette, and then it happens. let's go to bed. Yeah. She's like, I got my Virginia Slim. I'm good. Uh, at 3.15, Kathy wakes up screaming uh, and shouts, he was shot in the head, but she immediately falls asleep again. On the sixth day, Father Delaney and Bolin are driving when the stu- I think they're headed back to the house. Yeah, they're right? going to back the Lutzes. Father to Delaney the is not doing well, but he knows, you know, some members of his flock are in need. Uh, he's a good uh, man. But this, he's good. The steering wheel starts to malfunction. The hood flies up. They're driving through traffic, and Father Delaney sees a fly on the windshield. Um, Kathy's brother, Jimmy, is getting married, and uh, they're getting ready at his house. George looks bad. He does not look good. He he's looks not, dead he's already. Not well, yeah. The makeup's uh, pretty good. It was really good. I was like, this is... Con- like, the, like, he looked and really also the, And the way that they, like, progress it is also pretty good, because mm-hmm. at the end, I'm like, he... Uh, check his pulse, because... <laughs> I know. <laughs> like, why is he sweating so much? He looks so clammy. So, yeah, so pale and, like, really red eyes. Um, maybe James Brolin just, like, didn't sleep for the entire filming of this movie and that's how they got the effect uh kathy says it's just the flu and amy has it as well jimmy can't find the money that he just counted out uh for the caterer and he said he put it in his pocket uh the babysitter jackie oh but they just forget about it and george is like i'll pay for it even though he doesn't have the money for it uh so don't apparently this is a real like a real thing that happens it's corroborated by the brother but I don't know. Um, it felt out of place in the movie, which is the only reason it definitely it, kind did. Of, it feels like a real thing that happened, you know? Uh, the babysitter, Jackie, because uh, they had to leave Amy at home because she's sick. Uh, but Jackie starts putting Amy to bed and then gets locked in the closet when she goes in there to get the pajamas. She calls for Amy to open the door and starts panicking pretty quickly. Um, Amy ignores her cries. At the wedding, Kathy asks Aunt Helena if she's feeling better, and she says she's fine, and she's kind of pretending that she's all jovial, but when Kathy walks away, she gives a a look, like she knows the vibes that she's living in. Uh, in the bathroom, George is being uh, hassled by the caterer for cash because cash, he doesn't want a check, and then George tells him off and then tells Kathy they need to leave because he looks like death. Uh, they find the traumatized Kathy in the closet uh, and then first patronize her and say that the door is doesn't lock and she should have been able to get out. But then they're like, Amy, why are you being such they an really asshole? They really mishandled it. You should have let her out. Even if you, she could get out, obviously something mentally was preventing her from getting out. So, so have just a little like compassion. <laughs> yeah. um, and then Amy tells them that it was Jody who wouldn't let Amy help her. Uh, George is upset and is like, what the fuck are we listening to this stupid kid for? Uh, and says that Kathy's kids need discipline. Um, Amy says Jody doesn't like George. On the fifth day, Father Delaney and Father Bolin discuss the Amityville murders with higher-up priests Father Ryan and Father Nuncio, previously mentioned assholes that get a big thumbs Boo, down. yeah. Uh, Father Delaney is adamant that he heard the voices that uh, the previous killer, um, Ronald DeFeo, heard, 
when he was in the house and he thinks the devil is to blame. Shitty Father Ryan says it's nothing. And then Father Delaney is upset and he says they're full of bullshit and he's a trained psychotherapist and a family in his care needs help. I'm not some pink cheek Sumerian who doesn't know the difference between the supernatural and a bad clam. That was such a good one. That was one. pretty good, yeah. Uh, Father Ryan says he needs proof and dismisses Delaney's secular education and sends him on, quote, vacation. George's business... I wasn't so, like, intimately familiar with what the word secular means, because I wasn't allowed to listen to secular music or watch secular movies. Was that, like, a big big thing in your house? Yeah. I lived in the secular world. I still do. Um... I know. It's like, why I need you. I need you to show me the secular world. Help. I can show you the world. So beautiful. Uh... George's business partner, Jeff, and his girlfriend, Carolyn, arrive for a visit Jeff. with the girlfriend. Jeff. I'm Jeff, and I I'm have blonde Jeff. eyebrows. Yeah, he does. <laughs> I think he has a perm, too. <laughs> it's, yeah, that weird, like, curly, non-curly thing happening. I was like, should I get a perm? Because of Jeff. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, the Carolyn won't go inside because the house gives her the creeps, so she's like, I'm just going to sit in the car and wait for you, which is... I would probably do the same, yeah, same. but not because of the house, because I don't want to talk to anybody. Know your boundaries, baby. He tells him, uh, Jeff tells, oh, Jeff finds George uh, at his wood chopping pile. wood, as yeah. usual. <laughs> um, he tells him, asks him why no one's seen him, says that an IRS guy is looking for him, and a caterer said that he wrote him a bad check, and he needs to sign the payroll. And George is like, uh, shut up, I'm sharpening my axe. Uh, and I only want good news. And apparently he's got a spotlight for his boat or something. I don't know what that is, but the boat is a minor character. Yeah. My, who does who like seems like it's going to do something and then nothing happens in the 2005 version. They escape on the boat. <laughs> I oh, yeah, what, I, I don't know where that. they're going. It's so that movie is so bad. The 2005 one. I barely remember. it. I just remember um, a lot of shirtless Ryan Reynolds. I think Why? they were just like. James Brolin was hot. Let's get another hot guy, but Why make it bad. Why you know bad. cast Josh Brolin, dum-dums? He right. probably was like, I'm not doing that. <laughs> I, like, not just because this movie and because he's, like, so handsome and has such a deep voice, but I love James Brolin so Me much. too. And I think it's kind of, like, scary cool how much uh, Josh Brolin looks, like, exactly like him. Uh, did you ever watch Beyond Belief Fact or Fiction? Because no. that was my favorite show. And it was hosted by none other than James Brolin. Uh, and it was great. I loved it. It was like, did you do you know anything about it? You've never no, seen it. No, I know it. nothing about it. It doesn't even sound familiar. I'm Googling it. It was right a now. show. I think it was on the Sci-Fi channel. And they would give you three stories introduced by James Brolin. And he would, like, say funny, quippy lines about them. And then it was, like, a little, like, vignettes of, like, different scenes. And then at the end, you'd have to guess which one was fact and which ones were fiction. It that's was like, so good. That's, like, literally a game on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's okay, like two truths so and a lie, but as spooky stories, it was the best show. A very different man hosted it for. Yeah, some guy from Star Trek or Star yeah, Wars or something. Time. Oh, James Brolin's little white hair! What an angel! He's I love him. Don't uh, tell so us that's if really he's where I got most. <laughs> he's married to Barbara Streisand. No, maybe 
I think no. he is. Really? Yeah. Uh, he was. Yeah, no, he still is. Look at that. Yeah. Going oh strong. Going Good strong. for them. Who knew? Who are you? So is Barbara Streisand Josh Brolin's mom? No. Mm, I don't think so. They got married in 1998, so that doesn't check out. I think it's this yeah, lady named true. Jane Cameron Agee. Or A.G. A.G., maybe. Oh, no. Wait, yeah, yeah. Josh Brolin. <laughs> oh, wait, no. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, I don't so know a lot. I don't know that I've ever... Brolins. Josh Brolin was in, like, some Western movie, right? Uh, he was in No Country for Old Men. No Country for Old Men. Yeah, that's that was... And I one. know you hate I... that because of... They... I think they... The Spanish the, the actor... Cohen's? No, it's like this. Javier Spanish Bardem. Actor, yeah, Bardem. but he's not yeah. playing. He's not like playing a Latino. Like I he's thought he was just playing some a creepy Mexican guy. Person. I think he's just like a creepy guy in that movie. I read the maybe book he like, is probably like ago. they only uh, they only let non Latino and Latina actors play. Oh man, that haircut play. he had is upsetting. That's the true villain of the movie. Is that haircut? It's hard. Yeah, it's like a true. lot to pull off to be scary with that haircut, and he manages it. So good for him. Okay, he is Anton uh, Chirigur is the hitman he plays, and it looks like he is just like of general European descent. So you win that one. Good, Cormac McCarthy slash Cohen. Good for you. Yeah, Co- Cohen Brothers, you're better than a lot. But anyway. Oh God, I've read too many Cormac McCarthy books in my life. Like I was I... Just a lot of brain space wasted. While I was like thinking about our next few movies, which are gonna be Terrifier and Ringu, the Japanese like original version. I didn't know that Ringu was b- based on a book, which no, I now we like it? must read. Yeah, I really want to read it. I spent, like, so much of my life trying to read, like, classics or things that, like, my stuffy, like, English major boyfriends thought was cool. But I I started reading this book called A Court of Thorns and Roses, and it's, like, a sci-fi series uh, about this, like, human that goes to, like, live in a fairy realm and have sex with fairies. And I don't know why I wasn't reading like horny fantasy all along. Literally. Like it's so fun. I love it. Like I laugh, I cry. Um mostly laugh at the descriptions of like sex because they're so like not <laughs> willing to be like, he put his dick in me, you know? <laughs> but I don't know. I just feel like I'm like past the point of reading things because you're People supposed you to, you're and supposed you're like, to. yeah, exactly. Uh, I love reading terrible things. I I do sometimes like reading things that are like highbrow, uh, but yeah, sure. I My don't new know, thing I is picking it. up fantasy books at Savers for one ninety nine and just seeing what happens. Uh, yeah, I mean, but like Gabriel Garcia Marquez is like. I don't know. His prose just like makes me I have feel to read. Things. I've only read Love in the Time of Cholera, which I thought was fine but i hear a hundred years of solitude is like really the one to read you i'll send you my beat up old copy with all my dog-eared pages Oh, okay um, should we do a book exchange i'll send you something too okay. you gotta give it back though because i love that book I'll it's like it my copy you. of catcher in the rise is like taped together even though i haven't read it since i was like 
You probably wouldn't 20, like it, probably. so don't. I would probably yeah. hate it now, but it still, like, means a lot to me. Uh, okay, I'm going to think of something to brace, to send you in exchange. But Okay. Once I unpack all my books again. It'll I'll have to it. be to your new address. Yeah, Rebecca's moving to Oh, God, room. I can't wait to not be moving. Moving <laughs> so shitty. I'm, I like, know. living. Yeah, we're living out of boxes. and. What ugh, day are you actually long. moving in? Not that that's relevant today. Tomorrow. Uh, all right, let's get this done so you can get back to getting your shit together. <laughs> anyway, we're what are we? We're off the rails today. It's uh, fine. We're having business, a good time. The business is in financial trouble, uh, and then we uh, ca- we're going to the Greg's hand scene now. Yeah, Matt and Greg are messing with Amy from the second story window with a fake spider. Uh, would have scared me for sure. When the window suddenly shuts on Greg's hand, uh, all the adults rush up, uh, but no one can get it to open. That night, Kathy tries to talk to George uh, because, like, mysteriously, none of the bones in George's or Greg's hand are broken, which is apparently big news. Um, George pretends to be asleep. At exactly three fifteen, so he wakes petty. up. So like such a little oh my brat. God. Uh, he goes into the fly room. I was also barely watching this scene. He's in underwear. Um, oh, I was. I was distracted. I couldn't look by the uh, flies. By the flies. They cover the window and the wall, and when he goes to open the window, he can't, and then he gets swarmed, and then the front door and the basement doors burst open and fall off their hinges. When he goes back to the room, all the flies are gone, and the window works fine. All the flies are gone. Flies are gone. (laughs) Uh, They call the cops, and Sergeant Cigar comes by to check it out, too. Sergeant Cigar. Uh, George shows him the basement, and Harry is down there scratching at the wall and growling. To the point that his little paws are bloody. Like, they really need to give more attention to this poor dog. He's, like, not doing great. He's anxious. Uh, Cigar asks him if he's related to the previous family that lived there, because he looks exactly like one of them, but doesn't say which one. Uh, Sergeant Cigar says it doesn't look like a break-in because no windows were broken and the doors were bursted out, not in. Uh, On the 12th day, Kathy asks Amy what Jody looks like, and Amy says that she tells her things. Jody told Amy that the little boy who used to live in the room got hurt and died, and uh, Jody wants Amy to stay in the house forever so they can play. George angrily rides his motorcycle to the library and steals a book. He puts it in his pants. You can just check it out. That's the nature of a library. Um, just check it out. Give it back. Also, apparently he didn't ever read it because no resolution comes from it. And Kathy has to fucking haul her ass down there and look at the microfiche later. Thanks for nothing, George. <laughs> when did he get a motorcycle also? Uh, yeah, I was like, that appeared. And I was like, is is he like depression buying motorcycles? Because relatable. <laughs> yeah, uh, if, I, if I could, I would. <laughs> Kathy calls Father Delaney, but when he picks up, he starts gasping for breath. Uh, she can't hear anything and then hangs up and cries and prays. At a certain point, just go two failed calls. Go talk to him in person. Like she can. I can understand why he gives up his uh, like trying to get to the house, but she can go to him. Yeah. Like, I don't yeah. understand. You're only going to go uh, there after he's already like blinded by your, like literally he's blind because of your situation. Literally blinded by the devil. Um 
this scene is really weird. A sniffly neighbor with beer comes by to welcome them and is, like, vaguely creepy. The phone rings, and when Kathy answers, no one's there. And then when she goes back to the front door, the guy's gone. Uh, I This is one of the times where I zoned out, because the next thing I see is George and Jeff meeting at the bar. So let's just yeah. roll on, because I don't know sniffly what that Sniffly neighbor either. comes to nothing. I don't understand what, <laughs> what that was all about. Uh, George meets Jeff at a bar, and the bartender remarks that George looks just like the kid who killed his family in the house, uh, that big barn house over there. Jeff says the business is falling apart. And tells George that he's taken on too much. And then George punches him. And Jeff is, like, very... Like, he's like, okay, now can we talk? Busting out the word dame. Like, that's an appropriate thing to do in 1979. (laughs) You can't just call people dames. Oh, yeah. A dame Uh, I kind of like Jeff. And his blonde eyebrows. Um, George calms down and tells... Jeff and Carolyn about all the weird shits that, shit that's happening, and Carolyn is looking through the book that George stole. At the house, Kathy finds that Amy's singing to the rocking chair, the empty rocking chair, um, and says that Amy says that Kathy scared off Jody, who went out the window. When Kathy goes to look, she's terrified by two glowing eyes that aren't very scary, honestly. The effects in this movie are delightful. Uh, after looking through the book, Carolyn says it's the history of the house. It was John Ketchum's house, uh, a man who's run out of Salem for being a witch. Energy this is can't like, be created. This shit pisses me off so much because we've got it's an indigenous burial ground, and we've got oh my it's God. a when Salem she said witch. that, bitch, get get your story straight. You lost the plot. Like that's so fucking annoying. Although just throw everything on it. Apparently, the Lutzes did claim, like, make this claim about um, the tribal nation, and they were like, no. Like, native leaders were like, fuck you. No. You know? Shut up. Like, we don't want to be tangled up in your bullshit. Yeah. This isn't, like, poltergeist or whatever. This is, like, real fucking life. Like, we're a real tribal nation. This is, like, our sovereign land, so literally, fuck you. <laughs> literally. Uh... So, yeah, it's witch stuff. And energy can't be created or destroyed. It can only change form. Yeah. Uh, Jeff tells her to shut up. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) And then, uh, which is also, like, he's, like, totally right. He's like, you need to get out of that house. Yeah, Um, like, whatever's going on, just get out and go to therapy. Yeah. Uh, And then he offers to watch the kids that night so they can go out. At the house, Carolyn is getting vibes again, but this time she wants to go inside. Uh, So she forces Jeff to take her down to the basement, even though George told them to stay outside. Um, George patronizes Kathy again and says it was probably the cat that she saw out the window um, and tells her that they're going to go to dinner. So she starts getting ready. On the way into the basement, Carolyn says that there was a, quote, tribe called the Shinnecocks who used the land as an exposure pen and left the crazy people there to die. Which is a real tribal nation whose name you're slandering and, like, legacy you're slandering. They just, yeah, they didn't ask them. They just put it in their stupid, dumbass book and their movie. Like, Twilight. Twilight, like, the Quileute people, like, their lives are ruined by Twilight. Don't, if you're going to... Like, I was listening to this other a podcast um, with Jana Schmiedling, who is um, on, she's a writer and actress on that show, Rutherford Falls. That's, like, the first kind of show about, like, an indigenous tribal nation. But they, they invented uh, a tribal nation because they didn't want to have, like, 
media associated with a real like sovereign nation and their land. So it's just like totally irresponsible to just like, you know, learn whose land you're living on, whose land you stole, and then like put their name <laughs> into like media, into like a movie or whatever, a horror novel just for fucking kicks. Like it's just absolutely disgusting. Uh, I, as I've said before, I feel the way I feel about Twilight the same way I feel about Star Wars is that I'll never watch it and I never will. Or like I've never seen it and I never will. Well, and I don't. The, what do they, what is, vamp, what do vampires point, have to do the with? The point is there, so you know like the werewolf contingent? There's like a werewolf contingent. Sure. And <laughs> There's werewolves and vampires? Okay, just hear me out. We are, we'll get there. They're werewolves and it's like basically the novels and movies portray it like it's like a rite of passage in the Quileute people which is a real tribal nation so they portray it like oh when like young men from this tribal nation become like whatever adolescents or I forget how it's framed they like become werewolves so then (gasps) the tribal nation is fielding like requests from like 12 to 15 year old girls to learn how they can become werewolves essentially yeah this is like it's actually extremely fucked up you know that's so damaging (laughs) yeah and so that's like you should like literally even if you're trying to portray like an accurate indigenous experience if like you are not an indigenous creator writing about your own experience. Like you just shouldn't like, you shouldn't do that, you know, or you should do it with like tribal permission. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) Some white lady was like, Oh, I'm going to reduce this entire tribe out of like, she Ah. just like plucked a Pacific Northwest tribe and just like reduced their entire identity to this like supernatural vampire movie. Yeah. Ew. Yeah, it's like disgusting. absolutely disgusting. Just another reason. Oh my god. A Mormon did this to them. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. No surprise. It's like colonialism all over everywhere you go. <laughs> I can't. Like, oh my god. Why are we still doing stuff like this? <sighs> okay. Wow. Traumatized by that information. So, Jeff and Carolyn discover Harry scratching at the walls again, and Jeff is so concerned about the dog. I'm worried about Harry, too. Jeff needs to adopt Harry, because clearly the Lutzes don't give a shit about their dog. Hey, Um, George gets his uh, validation, you know. All right. Uh, while Jeff is cleaning up and caring for the dog, Carolyn starts to break down the wall in the basement. Um... George finds them and is like, oh, cool, you're right. Let me start breaking down the wall. Kathy um, finds them just in time to see the wall break down into, like, a red room. It's just, like, a red painted area. It's really I'm like, funny. this is no... I know, it's, like, lit Like, what did you lit? discover? Yeah. It's um, the gate to hell, Rebecca. Jeez. Uh, surely. Uh, Kathy finds them in time... Oh, George sees a reflection of himself, which is also, like, the effects are hilarious. Um, And Carolyn is taken over and yells in someone else's voice, Find the well! It's the passage passage to hell! Cover it! Um, And then we see, like, she's holding her head, and then we see Father Delaney, who's also holding his head. He gets a call, but no one's there. Uh, Kathy says they have to do something now, and they find their crucifix hanging upside down on the wall. They take it down and then start to bless the house themselves. Sergeant Cigar is in his uh, car watching them roam about, being like, these people are crazy 
crazy. Uh, in the fly room, George drops the crucifix, and when Kathy goes to pick it up, she, it burns her, and she runs away. On the 17th day, Father Bolin tells Father Thank Delaney... Thank God we finally got the fucking thread closed up on the crucifix that they hung in the first 10 minutes of the movie. I know. I'm like, what is it? Like, okay, it burned her. We already know that Satan's about, like, I'd quit it. Um, Bolin tells Delaney that he thinks uh, that he's making it up and that the de- a lot of the demons we create for ourselves... Father Delaney goes on with his prayer, and while he's um, praying a figure, I forget, it's like a, not a masthead, because that's on a ship, but it's like one of those things. I used to clean them. I should know what they're called. But anyway, one of those like figures on the ceiling, like the figures on the ceiling. Did I black out? Like in the rafters. So in the rafters, it was like a, like a big. Where are we? We're in the church. Father Delaney and Father Bolin uh, are praying. And there's, like, on the rafters, there's, like, religious figures that are called something that I can't remember. Yeah, they have a specific name. Yeah. And there was a lot at the museum where I used to work. And I used to get up on a ladder and clean them. So I should know what they're called because they were always in my reports. She worked at the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum. Full of spiders, in case you were wondering. Full of spiders and unsolved art heists. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, probably uh, definitely colonial tendencies uh so i mean like yeah like in writing so there was a whole like like insensitively named rooms like there's a to this day they call it the buddha room and i'm like please don't do that yeah don't they have like they have various asian Asian artifacts artifacts that that don't belong there yeah ripped from where they belong uh so but she's problematic we, that's so, what we're going to talk about. If we're you not, want, about. we can. We can do the I'll documentary series. Should we do it? <laughs> did, you, did you ever end up watching it? Uh, no, because the one of the guys who's involved, who's, I shouldn't say, but he's a shithead. Anyway. Uh, uh, I'll just say that it like became a lot more about like glorifying Boston crime syndicates than actually like <laughs> talking about the colonialism and like damaging legacy of the museum, which does need to be addressed by someone at some point. But it's like it covered all the bases of like she was like a rich white woman who could do whatever she wanted. And now like she's controlling everyone from beyond the grave. Like she created a beautiful space that I really love is like one of my favorite places in the world. It's a really amazing. um, It's bad. (laughs) Uh, So everyone should probably go there still though. Um, So as he's praying, one of the figures on the, in the rafter starts to shatter. uh, And then father Delaney just starts screaming the prayer. Uh, But father Boland doesn't see anything and starts to get concerned. He rushes forward. And then father Delaney cries saying that he's gone blind. On the 18th night it's at 3.15. Really it's very sad. I'm so worried about Father Delaney. Uh, George roams the house again and he hears drumming and rolls out a carpet for some reason. I'm like, are you, is now the time to decorate? I'm not, I'm not sure. Uh, Kathy has a dream uh, of George killing Amy with an axe and then killing her, but she wakes to find him still asleep. On the 19th day, George naps by the fire and... Uh, wakes up screaming, I'm coming apart. Uh, Kathy rushes downstairs. Hilarious. Uh, (laughs) Kathy rushes downstairs to check on him and sees what looks like bite marks on his ankles. He tells her to quit nagging him um, and then goes to tend his beloved fire. She begs him to let them leave the house 
Uh, he says she wanted a house and this is it. So shut up. She calls him a bastard and he slaps her. Uh, Kathy goes to find Father Delaney, but finds Father Bolin, who says that Delaney's gone on vacation. She begs him to tell him, tell her something and that they were friends, but uh, it's out of his hands, apparently. Sergeant Cigar is outside. Um, what is he doing? Is he's So he's following Father Bolin for some reason, uh, and Father oh, Bolin yeah. is dressed like a spy. He's like in a, like... I love his uh, little, like, trench coat Calf length yeah. trench coat, yeah, and the hat. Um, and he goes to, like, a beautiful bridge uh, and finds Father Delaney, who's dressed like the Grim Reaper, um, and he's sitting on a bench. Or Father Delaney, like, just because you're not well doesn't mean you have to wear a black hooded robe. I'm so confused. Uh, Father Bolin has brought him his mail uh, and offers to read it, but like, who want? Don't bring who someone their mail? mail. That's something that needs to be ignored. Um, yeah, the mail needs to be ignored. First of all, you're literally reminding him that he can't see to read it. Like, this is kind of like a shady, ableist move of him. Like, I'll take care Let of you. Yeah, like, right. or you could have had a backbone, however many days ago when, like. Fathers Ryan and Nuncio were like bitch slapping all of us, you know? But no, he doesn't have a backbone, clearly. Uh, Father Bolin leaves and is stopped by Sergeant Cigar, who asks him what's going on, but Bolin gives up nothing because uh, he is uncaring and unkind. Kathy looks through the microfiche to find articles on the murder. She sees a picture uh, of the murderer being arrested, and he looks exactly like George. She races home. At home, George is digging holes, nailing windows shut, sharpening his axe, and the floor in the basement, the oh, the gate to hell, is opening up slowly, and George er, and Harry is growling at it. Uh, on the last night, as Kathy arrives, there's a thunderstorm, and it's raining again. George is rigging something up in the boathouse. Like, they don't ever even come back to it, but I think he's, like, I, so rigging it the, shut or The something. boat is a minor character. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, she seem, she sees him coming across the lawn holding the axe. Uh, George sees a figure through the window with red eyes um, and then walks around the house shouting for Amy for some reason. I thought this like, is she's when a George child. sees the, like, pig. He see, it's not right, just the figure, it's the It's also, pig. like, in the window. Is it a pig? I didn't see yeah, it. Yeah, Jody's a pig. It just looked pig. like something with... Well, yeah, I know that, but... No, it was, like, It didn't look pig. like a pig. Yeah. I'll find uh, a picture. The walls are bleeding. Uh, the kids are all hiding in the room with Harry, and then George begins to break it down. Is this The Shining? I don't know. Oh my God. Uh, and then Ka- I literally wrote, uh, George hears Johnny through, hears Johnny's through the door. Yeah. Hears Johnny's here's his Johnny's. way through the door. Um... Kathy rushes him from behind. He swings the axe down at her, but she rolls over. Uh, he seems surprised that it's her and then hugs her and sobs, saying he wouldn't hurt her. Um, abuse. That's abuse. Yeah. The windows burst through and they grab the kids and run out. The stairs are bleeding and slippery. Uh, Harry is still in the basement uh, and they all pile in the car. And then Amy yells that she wants Harry. They were going to leave that dog. Like, if Amy wasn't like, I need my dog, they would leave him there like harry doesn't deserve that yeah like harry what would have saved you all if you had cared enough about him to he tried listen to his uh signals hold on i'm texting you the picture where you can see jody <laughs> of the pig <laughs> um, so i mean like would you 
Okay, yeah, it is a pig. You're right. We'll post it on the gram for proof that I (laughs) can't use my eyeballs. Um, So then George is like, they start to drive away, and then he's like, okay, you're right. Let me go get the dog. So he runs back to the house. Uh, and then when he's in the basement, he falls through the floor. You know how I don't like a hat on a hat? This whole scene. Hat on a hat. This whole movie is a hat on a hat. (laughs) It's true. This whole story. Um, and then... Yeah, they went too far. They lost the plot, definitely. Uh, George thinks Harry is attacking him because he's growling and biting at him, but Harry is really just trying to save him, and he pulls him out of the hole, out of the gates of hell, out of the jaws of Satan, um, and then he, they, George can't get the front door open because he's stupid. Literally and then he smashes the window you through. You were going to leave a hero dog at the gates of hell. Best dog. All dogs are good dogs, but this dog is exceptional. Yeah. Mm. Harry is a perfect angel. Uh, they drive, and then finally they get out, he smashes the window, carries the dog to the car, and they drive off, and the final card reads, George and Kathy Lutz and their family never reclaim their house or their personal belongings. Today they live in another state. Fiend. What a weird, like, sentence to end on, though. Today they live in another state. Like, okay. Okay. Cool. (laughs) Great (laughs) insult. Cool. Yeah. Uh, like you could have stopped with they never went to the house again like like either tell me where they are what's going on or don't like i don't need to know they live in another state yeah and i'm not telling you how to make movies i I mean yeah rosenberg i should maybe do you uh yeah the chirons so the chirons are not that helpful um like today they live in another state really did tickle me But they make they make a point at the beginning too of so I guess we should talk about the real Astafeo murders which really Uh actually happened. Yeah, Ronald DeFeo Jr. shot and killed uh, six members of his family. Mm -hmm. Yeah, his mother Louise, father Ronald Sr., two brothers Mark and John, and sisters Allison and Dawn. And he was convicted of second degree murder and sentenced to six counts of twenty five to life. And they did insanity uh, and that he had an antisocial personality disorder although I don't know this for sure but I am pretty sure there is like the demonic influence is actually brought up by the defender like by his uh, defense attorney as like credible which is absolutely deranged and we should note that Amityville 2 like the second movie in the franchise uh, it's they do like a kind of false version or like a stylized version of the demonic version of this is the problem that i had with well they hint at an incestuous relationship between the like brother and um sister which is apparently a rumor that's circulated for years about the defeo siblings so it's just this poor family is just getting absolutely like degraded like they got at every turn they, it was like a brutal murder and like maybe there was no motive because you weren't looking for a motive or you weren't looking for like <laughs> the systemic like you know socialization of male children like bio male children that happens that makes them think they can do shit like this because they can do, do whatever shit like they this. want yeah and get exactly rid of, get away with it and, and this whole like, franchise like this whole franchise has just made such a mockery of these like very real tragic murders that were committed by this kid like in cold blood his whole fucking family man 
And they're like, well, they were all asleep in their beds and no one. So he and it was just it's just and I don't know. And then they, he tried to bring the mob into it because one of his uncles, which was apparently worked for the crime family. Like, Stop. Just like, I don't he confessed like he bathed and dressed, hid evidence. He murdered them like it was a murder. I don't he, That's it. Yeah. And he confessed like in a normal state of mind uh, and he said, like, basically, once I started, I just couldn't stop. And then, I mean, this is, like, this goes more into, like, how this has become just such a trauma porn over the years. Um, is, like, town officials flatly have refused to let production teams film at the 112 Ocean Avenue house in Amityville. Uh, Jay Anson, allegedly the author of the document, or, um, author of the Amityville horror, he had historically written documentary shorts uh, and then when he presented the Amityville Horror, he wrote the title, The Amityville Horror True Story. And it's like a very small subtext or caveat that it's a novel. So this entire construction by the Lutzes, uh, Jay Anson, and then Weber admitted that he was like Weber, who is, um, I forget his first name, but he was DeFeo's defense attorney, essentially admitted that the DeFeo's or excuse me, that the Lutzes cut him out of the deal. So it's well documented that none of these things happened the way that they said they happened. Uh, and the Lutzes just kept going with their life while, like, six people were murdered by a person they, that probably had a personality disorder, but because of this demonic angle, uh, the, like, pathology of this was never really explored and still, like, shit like that persists today. I feel like I've been talking for 800 years. Sorry, Rebecca. No, I mean, yeah, I agree. I think it's, like, very damaging that, like, yeah, that a white man can do what he wants. And it's the same problem that I have with the movie that ju- literally just came out, The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. It's like, you can't really turn an like actual real-life murder. Someone was actually murdered and be like, it was the devil. Like, let's build this whole narrative and this whole movie around a and pretty recent murder. Case- they definitely brought up, like, the possession angle in that court case. Yeah. So it was, like, a major that's, part of that kid's defense. That's bullshit. And it's and that is, like, riding the coattails of histories like this, where you're like, oh, this whole family was murdered, but it was because the house was possessed by devils and built on an Indian burial ground. Like, this, that's so upsetting. So I, it's upsetting. Like, it's not like we're still feeling the ramifications of telling narratives like this and framing them as true. Because it helps people who have murdered people get off because and it helps did it. Also, like, it runs so much deeper than that because there is this, like, othering of the indigenous community, too. So the Shinnecock Nation, again, a real tribal nation that still exists and whose land this happened on. And then they're othered as, like, savage and... Uh, unfeeling, uncaring for their populations because it's basically referred to as a dumping ground for the disabled peoples from their tribe, which I don't believe that any of, like, the white colonizers that were involved in concocting this story even have any benchmark for what Native communities do and, like, how they treat and care for their, like, disabled members. Like, pretty sure they've stewarded the land that we live on that we stole from them so that it was fruitful uh, and, uh, like, produced food for entire populations for years. Like, they don't have the same ethos that, like, 
colonizers have towards disabled or neurodivergent people. So it's just like so like foul as an inconvenience. Yeah, exactly. To assign this colonizers narrative to them as a way of making it like valid that we colonize them. Yeah, it feels like a twisting of guilt so that we no longer feel guilty for the atrocities that we have committed and continue to commit against indigenous communities. And it's like, well, this is their burial site or this is where they dump their, the people that they deem inconvenient because that's how we would handle things like this and still handle things like this. Mm -hmm. So. And how we literally handled the residential, like the residential schools were literally that, that exact model. Like, putting people that you didn't have a quote-unquote solution for into places that they were they would get be tortured and die at the hands of like their colonizers and and starved yeah Yeah. bro it's so bad this movie is like a sleeper problematic (laughs) i mean yeah we haven't even gotten really gotten into the like a like spousal abuse and like yeah so I, uh, obviously, trigger warning if you're a domestic violence survivor or you have been emotionally abused by a spouse or any loved one, uh, but this is definitely, like, all the signs of covert abuse, which is George kind of, like, gradually transitions to hostility, uh, gaslights Kathy into thinking nothing is going on because he vacillates between, like, are you okay? I just, there's a bug in here. A fly. Sorry. He vacillates no, like between. Little, it is a fly, but oh. <laughs> a gnat. It's a little gnat. We're oh. okay. Everything is fine. Okay, I'm sorry. I vacillates. I'm here. I'm just not going to say vacillates again. He switches back and forth between <laughs> open hostility and cruelty, and then he can like code switch back into his old identity. And Kathy starts to feel safe again. So he basically just, like, pushes her to the brink, uh, emotionally abuses her, emotionally abuses her children. And then instead of, like, having to confront the mores of patriarchy or the ethos that makes this possible in our society, we're just like, ooh, he was possessed. So, like, that's validation and excuse for emotionally abusing his spouse over the course of a month, right? Right. And... I don't know. And then, like, maybe that was the situation that was going on with the Lutzes. Like, what what's the situation with the Lutz children? Like, have we heard anything from them? Or is it just the parents' narrative of, like, it's the we parents were possessed narrative. by demons? And the children st- have stayed completely off the radar. Stop looking at the fly. It's not going to do sorry. anything to you. It might, though. Fly <laughs> up my nose. Um and the, I don't, like, it's in general damaging to, like, portray, like, a toxic male is, like, not responsible for his own actions, but instead, like, blaming this, like, otherworldly thing that can't be, can't feel any of its own repercussions. So, I, it just seems dumb. I don't know. I'm it's just another way for men to not be <laughs> responsible for their shitty actions ever. Or the patriarchy. Or, or like being being able to like take a look at our society and like what we've created is like. And you see like when Amy's playing with her dolls when Greg's hand gets smushed she's emotionally like she's verbally abusing her dolls. And she's, yeah. <laughs> she's telling them how they need to behave to stay in line because she's picking up these behaviors from her parental models. And this is like this is a cycle that persists 
and I feel like our generation and Gen Z is starting to break it because we're going to therapists, but, uh, or even just like critically thinking, like, yeah, seriously. And questioning the ways that we were like conditioned and raised and taught like societally. Or like, did otherwise. your parents hit you? No. Oh, my parents hit me and I like didn't know it was weird or like kind of inappropriate until I was older. Yeah, I mean... Like, my dad used to spank me with a hairbrush because it was, like, maximum butt pain. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when I was growing up, we had to live with, uh, for, like, a a little while, my sister and I went to live with, like, a family friend of ours, and uh, they had seven kids. Like, my best friend, who is my age, uh, they had seven kids, four of which were adopted, and I remember once uh, they got one, like all of them were in trouble for some reason. I don't really remember why they were in trouble, but um, they had to go into the garage to get their spanking and everyone was crying and bawling. And I had never experienced something like that. And I was just like, what is happening? And then the next day, everything was fine. And I was, it was like really, it was just like really the lead up to, to me, the spanking I was, like, was often worse it. than the spanking. That's true. A yeah, like all of the kids waiting in the kitchen to go into the garage, like oh everyone God, crying. Yeah. And, I remember it was like yeah. a specific couch we would sit on. Like there was like the living room couch where we would spend our time. And then there was like the fancier room. And you'd have to go into like the slightly fancier living room. Hmm. I'm fine. Oh, you guys. Anyway. Did your, <laughs> so it's, yeah, this is damaging. Did your parents wash your mouth out with soap? No, I remember what like that going, being like, like a yeah, saying. Yeah, it's like a big thing. No, it was, I literally I had to put dish soap or like hand soap in my mouth. No, I mean no. Great, I'm fine. Um, <laughs> fine. Do you want to talk about this subject any further? Okay, so I have a theory about how this Tell all me. ties back to capitalism and the evils of capitalism. So this movie was made in 1979. In 1973 and 1979, there were oil crises in America, uh, leading to fuel shortages and sort of having to, like, rethink our energy usage. Thank you, Jimmy Carter. I'm sorry it didn't really work out. Uh, so <laughs> He thought about it. He tried. <laughs> he really did. He put solar panels on the White House and then Ronald Reagan ripped them off. <laughs> like God. So I, good. That's like a double down on, like, it's like, the whole Bernie Sanders thing is like, oh, everyone almost got on that boat. And then we had to like quadruple back very and be big, like, no, we're going the opposite switch. direction. Yeah. 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 Precious Jimmy Carter put a wood burning stove in the like residences in the White House so he wouldn't have to use the heat. And he would just like he and Roz would like cuddle in front of the wood burning stove like too sweet. But, and instead, uh, Ronald Reagan was like, uh, "Let's figure out a way to uh, enslave like, we should, black people." Yeah, we should build one thousand prisons. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that number is accurate. It's probably much higher. So, much higher. Yeah. Obviously, there are like economic pressures at this time, and it's like very keenly felt throughout America. The Three Mile Island disaster happened. Um, 
fuel shortages began happening. So there's general economic anxiety uh, touching people at all, like socioeconomic levels. But I think there's a lot of markers in this movie that talk about just like the claustrophobia of being in a financial trap, essentially. Um, Kathy notes that she's the first home buyer in the family. Uh, George's mental state declines as his financial wellness and the health of his business declines. Um, and generally, they're just being like pressured by money on all sides, which is a huge uh, driver for them. So I think. It has a lot to do with the time they're living in. Uh, and I think it's like really keenly felt, especially in the scene when the bathrooms overflow and it's literally oil. Like it looks like oil. Right. Uh, yeah. And like I might be reading too much into it, but then like Harry the dog pulls George out of like the oil pit later. So I think mm-hmm. we're seeing a lot of coding about like the economic crises that were happening in the 70s. Um, in the way this movie is sort of stylized. And justice for Jimmy Carter's solar panels is all I have to say about that. And this is before the false economic boom of the 80s where everyone was uh, was hyper-obsessed. A lot of cocaine. Yeah, exactly. A lot of cocaine. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And I mean, that's something that happened like around the 2000s probably when the remake of this movie came out like around the housing crisis like when it crashed they remade this movie about someone it was not a being little, able to afford the house they bought it was so. a little earlier than that but there are was it earlier it was 2005 but your point is taken mm. because we've talked about a lot of movies that were made during that time and like i think you also weirdly get a rash of movies in the 2000s like the Boy, uh, or there's an Australian horror film that I think was made in 2009 called Housebound. Uh, and they're that like theme of something living in the walls with you is something that was like really, really like prescient, like really fresh to people because that was happening when people were losing their houses, as we've talked about before. So I think it is really interesting how you can trace. Uh, like the country's kind of economic health, even though that's a construction, like you can still see it in the movies that we cover, right. even though they Mo- seem innocuous or like stupid. Well, yeah, that's like the whole point of us dissecting like what is typically called like stupid throwaway movies, like horror movies. The, Thank you for reminding me there's the a lowest point, of because I've been feeling pretty pointless lately. <laughs> There's a point to it all. Um, I'm kind of ready. Like, when are we going to be done telling, like, religious uh, Satan narratives and move on to, like, our next crop? When was the Like, can we get back to slashers? I want a slasher. Is this before or after the the exorcist? Let's go to the Googles. It's after Mm. because there is just a lot of, like, I feel like there's a lot of. Um, window flying out priests yeah and like the priest like the way a lot of priest puke but the way that they're like framing father baldy on the <laughs> just kidding i know he has hair <laughs> it's bad uh father Bowden like on the stairs and stuff like i feel like they're shot for shot kind of robbing from the exorcist and this like yeah. this kind of like i mean i think also, the focus on Catholic stories in 70s and 80s horror movies is because the corruption in the Catholic Church is an open secret, right? Like, right. we see that Father Ryan and Father Nuncio are representatives of the Vatican, and they're coded as, like, corrupt and unfeeling. Uh, and I think in the late 70s, I mean, don't quote me on this, but there's, we're starting to, like, 
uncover as these decades move on the rampant sexual abuse in the catholic church that has previously kind of been an open secret is starting to like more come to light in these decades is anything gonna change no No. but uh father delaney is gonna do whatever he needs to do for the people that he cares about except for he doesn't do anything at all except for go blind but um he he tried tried yeah, he really sort of, did. Right, sort yeah. of tried. He prayed yeah. a lot. He did a lot of in praying. his own way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I guess that's fine. Uh, <laughs> so I feel like we've chittered on long Run enough. The gambit what else do you want to talk about? Um, I mean, it's like the whitest of uh, white stories. We've already talked about how um, they're abusing indigenous uh, narratives and land for sure. Um, but yeah. I don't know. It's it bad all around. Maybe but it is a fun movie. I like it. I mean, the effects are really goofy. If you are looking for the ways in which it's left like a lasting damaging mark on our cultural like identity, you can find them. But if you just want to watch a weird haunted house movie, you can do that, too. Yeah. I am never going to watch it again because... Hell no. The too flies. Many flies. Too many flies. I'm not going to watch it again. Up close? Because of, flies? of the no. patriarchy. Yeah, at first I was like, what are the flies on? What's that red thing? And then I was like, oh, it's the fly eyes. And I thought Rebecca probably really isn't, isn't having a fun time. I seriously watched it like this. Like I, I was like, is there a faint buzzing noise? Gotta go. Um... Stop. <laughs> Fucking me up. Uh, um, what do you want to fuck this week, babe? Uh, definitely fuck the patriarchy. Mm-hmm. For sure. Fuck um, people not being responsible for their own actions and being able today to think and blame it in a court of law on demonic possession or Satan or whatever bullshit you want. Um Fuck all abusers. Yeah. And if someone is telling you that you've crossed their boundary or you're doing something to make them feel not good, like, fix it. Don't just... put up a hotline or something. I, yeah. You can call call me if you You want. You call me, too. Um, Just text me first to let me know you're going to call me or I won't answer. (laughs) Otherwise, I won't answer, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely um, fuck the kind of simultaneous erasure and appropriation of indigenous cultures. I think we should start doing a land acknowledgement at the beginning of the pod. Okay, let's do it. Where is uh, Amityville, Long Island? Okay, the uh, international or the national domestic violence hotlines number is 800-799-7233. Quick on your feet, babe. I love it. Look at Uh, me typing. Yeah. This is what I think we should do. We should start researching where the movie was filmed slash took place and uh, acknowledge those tribal lands. I think that would be a responsible thing to do. Uh, Um, Yeah. And fuck Josh, James, and any other Brolins that are open to it in a very nice way. In a super nice way. (laughs) Um... Yeah, that's all I have to say. Fuck. Um, I was going to say Father Bolin, but his personality is so bad. And honestly, I don't want to give Father Nun- Nuncio any credit, but his haircut is bad. So 
There are a lot of bad haircuts in this movie. Let's just say fuck organized religion in general. Doesn't do yeah. a lot of good things. And uh, we'll see you next week for Terrifier. I'm very excited for this haunted clown man. Uh, it's a bad. It's like a bad movie. It's bad, but it's fun. It's fine. I'm excited. Hey, what are you going to be I for think Halloween like this it. year? I don't know. I get. We were talking about that last night because uh, they want to have like an event at work, and apparently a. We they want a theme, um, so what if the theme was Guy Fieri, which is what I'm gonna dress up as? <laughs> That's what you're gonna do. That's so cute. Yeah, I gotta find um, a wig. I gotta get a visor. I I mean I have a lot to do. I don't have enough. Time. I love. I think you have enough time. I love Halloween. <laughs> I don't love dressing up. It's a weird like I like love other people's costumes, but I don't like like. I don't like it. I don't really I think like, I would like dressing it more up. if I had money to be like, I'm doing this, but I never do it. And I like always slap something together the day before. That's kind of disappointing to everyone, you know? Uh, yeah, I my go to is cat ears. That's my I'll throw a slap on some cat ears and wear all black. And that's, that's what if it. you dress as gonna get. hero dog Harry this year. Oh, Harry. I don't know. Dog ears. Where can you find a dog ear? You can uh, make them. One year, the year that my nephew was born, uh, he, was, he was born the day after Halloween, and I did dress up. At, Caesar and I went as TJ and Spinelli from Recess. Nice. And we, like, went to, like, a bar uh, with all my friends, and my sister was like, don't get drunk, because I might go into labor. And I was like, you're not going to go into labor. You're fine. Because I'd been with them and, like, the girls all day. And then I get a call at, like, 2.30 or something, and she's like, I'm at the hospital. I'm in labor. Were you drunk? the hospital. And I was drunk. Uh, <laughs> so Caesar's, one of Caesar's friends, like, quick drove me to the hospital, dropped me off. I'm wearing, like, thigh-high orange and black socks and a bright orange beanie and, like, an orange dress and a leather jacket. And I'm, like, my mascara is running, and I'm, like, super drunk. Yeah, and yeah. I watched my nephew get born. Yeah. You watched- and then I left the hospital. Like the hole? I mean, I wasn't like making eye contact with it, but uh, for, yeah, for, that was my agreement with my sister that I could be present at uh, one of her births and it was for her son. So, what did she get out of the bargain? Uh, my love and affection for Perfect. all the children. Oh, they're good kids. <laughs> they are the best kids. Um, okay. Yeah, so that's his birth story. His, his aunt was drunk, okay. dressed as a 90s cartoon character. I wouldn't want so. it any other way. I wish I had a drunk yeah. aunt at my birth, but it was on a Sunday, hey, the Lord's I'll Day. I'll be there. Thanks. <laughs> for your reincarnation. I was be like, me. yeah. All right. Let's call it. Who knows what we're doing anymore? Who knows? Does anybody care about that story? Absolutely not. I like but... the story, but if no one else cares, that's their problem. <laughs> All right. Bye. Okay. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.